Hello and welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Mike Jezoshek, and today we have a special guest on. We have Chris Hanna on, and we're going to be talking about how to manage money when you're making a lot, but not very often. And so Chris has, has some, some awesome things to talk about. I thought he would be a great guest for the podcast. So Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be on. Excited to talk about uh, this topic. Excellent. So I guess just to kind of start to give the audience a little background, give the audience a little bit of your story. I, I know when I first met you and, and learning about kind of where you came from, it was it was definitely a unique and cool story. So I think that that's something that would be helpful to share with the audience as we lead into some of the things we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So I, as far as uh, how I got started with entrepreneurship and what I'm doing now, um, I guess when I was real young, I just wanted my independence. And that sort of never, that desire never really stopped all the way up, you know, until the time I graduated high school. And then throughout college, I was still really just wanting my independence. And so uh, when it came time to decide what I was going to do after school, I had, uh, I had a job offer for uh, a job on Wall Street. And I also at that time was uh, learning how to count cards and play blackjack professionally, which we can get into the difference between those two because they're actually um, not one of the same. Counting cards and, and professional blackjack are uh, different. But at that time, I just wanting my independence, I said, you know what? I think that I can really make some money doing this. I had a roommate who was also really good with numbers and we just we had some money and we thought that we could actually make enough to get started in life. And so, uh, I told my parents that I, Hey, I got this job offer and I sort of want to include you in the conversation, but at the same time, I'm feel pretty certain that this is what I want to do after school. So yeah, I got started, uh, playing blackjack. We just, we, we, within days after we graduated, we started driving to all the local casinos. We made our way out to Vegas, not too long after that, stayed there for a month. And, um, and we did that for a while until um, we ultimately had to switch some things up. It just, we, we weren't able to draw uh, enough. We didn't have a, a big enough investment to draw from it substantially to actually live on. And that just sort of continued. I, I, it got me to continue thinking about uh, more alternative ways to make money. So I got a bunch of these gig jobs. I, uh, I found myself really just with my hands up in the air when it came to my personal finances, which was really frustrating for me because I had this formal background in finance and I had this training on Wall Street uh, and I, I was studying for the CFA. I had all these different sort of financial accolades and I felt totally lost when it came to my personal finances. And in reflecting on that, I just kind of made a commitment to myself that I was going to dive deeper into it, really learn what it took to manage my money well. And um, that through sort of learning and experimenting on my own, eventually realized that this is not only something that is not taught in school or even in college with a finance degree. Um, and so I realized I had a, created and built a skill that I could really help other people with. Excellent. Now that, that's a, that's a fascinating story. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I love playing blackjack. So I'm curious oh, cool. on <laughs> the whole counting cards thing. Yeah. Um, I've never been that advanced to it. I mean, I just play it casually when, when we're in a, situation where that allows for it but um yeah that that's crazy i'm good to know that uh, a career in that maybe is not the the most secure option for me so yeah yeah no it's not and it's you know it's really not um so the way to think about it at least from a mathematical standpoint is if you're counting cards correctly and playing blackjack 
correctly. So there's these different skills that go into professional blackjack play. Counting cards is just one of them. So as you count cards, you also have to know how much to bet. So you have to manage a bankroll. And as the count changes, so does your bet, because the count really tells you the percent, uh, the, the house advantage at any given time that either you have or the house has. Uh, and if you're playing correctly, you, you know, uh, playing your basic strategy. There are a bunch of different variations from basic strategy that you play based on the count. You have to estimate how many cards have already been played. So you know how many cards are left. So you can divide that by the count and find your true count. So all these different skills, ultimately you do all that correctly. You do all these mental gymnastics and eventually you can maybe earn 1% of everything that you wager. <laughs> and so to put that into perspective, you like, let's say you're betting, um, let's say an average of $100 per hand times 100 hands per hour, um, you're looking at maybe, uh, what is that, uh, uh, two-tenth that, what, what is that, $100 per hour? I don't know if my math's right there, actually. But over the long run, it actually is not um, significant unless you have a substantial amount of money. And even then, the eyes uh, in the sky, like they're just hawk-eyed looking at you. So no, it's it's not a an ideal career path. There are much better ways to make money. It's fun. It was fun nevertheless, but yeah, there's, there's much better ways. Well, that's good to know. I guess I'll just stick to drinking a beer and playing by the book when I, when I play blackjack. Just yeah. For fun. Um, cool. So let's kind of get started into a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've seen now that you have, have focused on this side. So, you know, this is a podcast about tax savings, tax strategies and things like that. And so, uh, when you see when you're working with entrepreneurs, what is kind of some of the mistakes or what the biggest mistake that you see them make when it comes to the taxes piece? Yeah, so I when I when I when I realized that I had this skill in managing money that was a little bit different than sort of classic financial teachings, um, and I said I, I want to help other people manage their money. I want to be a financial coach. I wanted to start very niched down, and I had um, been a big fan of the UFC and also practiced uh, and trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu for several years, um, for a couple years very seriously. And so as I reached, uh, I decided I wanted to start working with UFC fighters as my sort of initial niche. Before I even started working with them, though, I just had conducted these informational interviews uh, and found out that a lot of these fighters, and this is the, this is the same for anyone who is just not used to earning substantial money on an inconsistent basis. They often treat their tax bill as something that just comes up every March or April, you know, of the following year. And they're, you know, completely neglecting any thought about taxes uh, up until that very point. You know, it's almost like taxes for me don't exist until I actually file my, you know, or speak to my accountant at the end of the year. And all of a sudden now you've got a massive tax bill that just has to come out of your you know, savings account or your emergency fund. So one of the biggest mistakes is just simply neglecting even thinking about taxes. And on a more practical basis, it's not proactively putting money aside as you earn it into a separate uh, savings account, you know, for your taxes. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the thing that we talk about a lot is that so many people when they hear taxes, they think of January, February, March, or April. And, and the problem with that is that it's, it's too late for the majority of tax strategies that we might want to implement uh, majority of them have to be done throughout the year. And so mm -hmm. it's too late at that time. And so, you know, a lot of times people say, well, let's do some tax planning or, or they come to me in April, we're filing a return and say, here is the tax bill. And they're like, well, what about that strategy you talked about? And we're like, well, that 
that's something we can do this year moving forward, but some of those right. things had to be implemented. So I think that's so big, especially when we're talking about uh, the amount due. And, and what we yeah. see a lot in that situation is, especially for first time business owners, they'll get that first bill and it's going to be their, their eyes open up. They're like, holy cow, like I didn't realize I need to be saving taxes. And after that, now they know moving forward, okay, now I need to, to think about this a little bit deeper. But the problem with that is that they're always catching up on that first yeah. year in business. Yeah. So every year they're like, they have a big tax bill that they're now on an installment plan. And, and it just seems like the tax bills just seem to kind of snowball effect because they can never really get caught up from that first year of being in business. Yeah. So what's kind of the, 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 the kind of single best piece of advice that you give to entrepreneurs and, 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 and individuals like that to avoid this type of mistake? Start early. You know, like you just said, it, the, the the tax game is not played in March or April of the following year. It's played from January of the first, you know, or, or your, whatever the first, uh, whenever you first start making money, whether it's January or it's a fiscal year that you're you're running, you know, um, that's that's when this this game is starting. And um, like you said, tax planning is is there's got to be some planning involved. There has to be some time involved there to actually create a plan and then execute it over the year. So uh, definitely starting early. Uh, again, another sort of more practical piece is as you earn money to to create, dis- having distinct accounts is so huge in, in, um, in, in, in avoiding some of these massive bills. And, you know, I, I remember I was speaking with a fighter who he had, I think, a little over 50 grand sitting in a savings account that was used for there for everything. So, you know, he had money there for um, like an emergency fund. He had money in there that he knew he was going to have some sort of tax bill, didn't know what it was going to be. He had money in there for, um, you know, for, for expenses for his kids. Like just everything was all there together. And you can easily dip into the amount of money that you're going to need for taxes if it's not separated out into a separate account. So yeah, having separate accounts for it starting early, those are a couple of the biggest things that you could do. Awesome. Now as a financial coach, kind of what you do is help entrepreneurs bring build those kind of strong financial habits. Um, so when you're talking about that, what are some of the best habits that you talk to entrepreneurs about implementing to reduce their taxes and stay on top of them? Yeah, paying attention to your money is a sort of... Uh, vague saying that I heard a while back over and over. And I've um, come to understand it a bit differently now because when you have a, when you can see your entire financial system, uh, sorry, your entire, entire financial situation with a bird's eye view, the taxes that you owe or that you're incurring are just a part of that. But the bigger picture here is really understanding your whole financial situation um, and, and really what that what that entails is a complete list of your assets, the value of those assets, your liabilities, you know, what, what the interest rate is on all those liabilities, what your payment is on them, what the outstanding balance is, um, your expenses, which I like to break down into um, fixed or recurring expenses, you know, non-recurring needs and, and your wants. And so that's just three sort of categories of expenses. Um, and if you can break it down in that way, uh, you know, track your income as well. Just how, do you have a, an understanding of how much money you're making and how often and, um, and your goals, you know, what are you actually working towards? And do you have clear numbers that you're trying to reach? Is it a lifestyle that you're trying, that you're aspiring to having all that together is going to make 
you know, setting aside those taxes a lot easier because, you know, for example, I'll work with someone who is afraid to set aside taxes because they're trying to use that money to pay for something else. When in reality, maybe it was because they overspent in the previous month way too much on, on things that they really didn't need. So all in all, it's, you probably could sort of, uh, really nail your taxes and, and make the best of them. Um, sort of in, in an isolated way, but I think that the better way is to do it with a holistic approach. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good, great point. And, you know, I think sometimes when business owners think about taxes, they don't understand that, um, you know, the, the U.S. is a pay-as-you-go system. So, so technically taxes are due when you earn it. And, mm-hmm. and so that's why when you see people that are on a W-2 type salary income, there's, there's money taken out of every single paycheck because your your employer is essentially paying those taxes for you. They're paying those taxes on your behalf. Um, but entrepreneurs, you are the employer. And, yeah. and so I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, well, you know, they, they it's, it's a hard shift in this mindset of understanding that this income that I'm making is all pre-tax. And I think so many people think that it's automatically just after-tax dollars that they're receiving. And it, it, that's kind of the, the idea of how do I shift that mindset? And I think the key thing is, is, you know, having a, a, a good picture of where you're at. And, and, and also when you're making money, when you're receiving money, knowing right off the bat that a portion of that has to go away to taxes. Yeah. I'm, I'm always kind of on the, on the idea of let's be conservative. Let's let's put more away for taxes. And hey, if the, at the end of the year we did some really good tax planning, we saved a ton of taxes. And at the end of the year, you have an extra chunk of cash sitting there that does not have to be sent to any government agencies. Well, that's just kind of a win for you. Uh, but I think it's the key thing is understanding, OK, what do you, what are your goals are? What do you need to live on? And and then anything open that let's let's try to see how can we save enough for taxes is that something you kind of see with some of your clientele as well yeah absolutely and it's interesting the point that you make um in uh you know when especially when people start off as employees right and then they try and start their own business they are they they have the same they they have the employees i'm sorry they have the habits of an employee and you're exactly right they they treat their now new business in the same way that they did it as an employee. And so it's just, they're not used to man, you know, on their own setting aside these taxes and then it just, you know, completely goes awry. So uh, I, I think that is a big distinction. It's a mindset shift and, and a habit shift for sure from the employee mindset to the business owner or entrepreneur mindset. Yeah. And, and just as you're saying that it just makes so much sense to me because very rarely will you have an entrepreneur that's been an entrepreneur their entire life, right. never worked a job, anything like that. Usually right. you're working a W-2, find a find an opportunity to go out on your own, do something else, or you're slowly starting to go out on your own, eventually make it full time. And so, yeah, that, that's that's a good point of, of that habit piece that you're used to being an employer. You're used to saying, hey, I got my paycheck in the bank account today. That's all mine because yeah. you don't you don't realize what has been done prior to that check hitting your account. Right. Um, so that, that, that that's a good point. Now, what are some strategies or ideas that you've had or, or, or things that have helped people get through that habit change? So going from a W-2 employee to an employer in, in understanding kind of what that, that conflict is going to be on, on funds and money being pre-tax dollars. Yeah, I think if you can think about it less of uh, less as a chore and more as something that's really exciting. Like when you think about the fact that there's this line from Tom Wheelwright, uh, Tax-Free Wealth, where he says the tax code is a treasure map. And that is a different mindset. It's a different way to look at 
um, taxes and as a uh, as a business owner in that this is exciting now all of a sudden where if I can be smart about the way I I make money and the way that I invest, I can actually it's is now you're playing a game here where you're actually potentially significantly reducing your taxes in a way that, well, if it's a treasure map, you're, you're trying to uncover these different sort of strategies and and then eventually, yeah, hopefully paying significantly less in taxes. But I think people get caught up in feeling like it's a chore, especially if they're not sort of math or number oriented and feeling like, oh, I don't even want to touch this. I don't want to look at it. Mike, please do all this for me and let me know, you know what I can do. Um, but yeah, having some excitement involved, like this is this is your money, this is your livelihood, and you can make a heck of a lot more and probably pay a heck of a lot less in taxes. Yeah, I oftentimes tell people to think of it kind of like uh, how uh, a churchgoer would think of a tithe. Um, mm. Basically, that that mindset is the first ten percent of anything I earn is is not mine. Mm. That goes to the church or, or to God in that scenario. And, and I think that once you kind of have that mindset, it's also you can easily replicate that by saying, okay, and if it's a percentage, whatever number you come up with, but saying that first X amount of my dollars is not mine, that's mm-hmm. something I need to put aside. Um, and and like, like you said, as we look at tax plans, we look at tax strategies, and that's why people are listening here is that we want to get this idea of there's so much opportunities for tax planning out there. And that's what we're trying to make them aware of on this podcast. Um, so so you, you might put way more money away for savings than you actually need for taxes if you're implementing strategies that you want to. Uh, but ultimately, it's kind of getting to that understanding of, of what that is. We get so many clients that come in and and they, they, they put money away and then, the, and then they, they just think, well, I don't need a tax plan because I got that money put away. Mm. And so I think that's another habit switch that yeah. we need to change and saying, just because now you've put this money away, it's out of the picture and you're just like, well, that's going to be taxes that are already out the door. Maybe if I didn't pay them yet, but it's going to be out the door. Um, I guess I don't really need to do tax planning. And I think that's where you, you kind of go on the other other side of it and say, okay, let's see what we can do. Let's see what strategies we can implement to claw back some of that money we did put away. And yeah. now you get a nice paycheck at the end of the year that you don't have to pay taxes on because that's money that you just put away for taxes. So that's why I've always encouraged uh, business owners to be conservative, um, but know and be willing to to be a, a, a be hard at looking at tax strategies to see how much of that money when we are being conservative we can claw back and put right back into our pockets. Yeah, that's that's a really neat point. Um, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, if you are on the other side of it, if you are being really good and setting your money aside, I can see how uh, you, yeah, like you said, you might not feel like you need to do tax planning because that money is already there. But in, you know, if you can pay a whole lot less, even a little bit less, you know, you would, you know, if someone offered you five bucks, you'd take it, you know, so, yeah. um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be such a substantial amount. It's just, you know, a- any amount less for sure. But of course, with good tax planning, it can be a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, so you talked about kind of as you were transitioning, trying to find out, okay, where, where am I going to go with my career? What, what are we going to do there? You talked about doing a lot of different side hustles and starting a small business and things like that. So, you know, what are some of the, when you're working with people, you know, what are some encouragement that you can give on having people invest in themselves where they are able to start that small business, to start that side hustle that maybe they always want to do or plan to do in the future? What are some um, kind of tips that you have for that? Yeah, the first is thinking about 
using money specifically for that purpose. So in the same way you'd think about, okay, I, I need a certain amount of money for food or a certain amount of money for my taxes or for my rent. Think about, I need a certain amount of money to invest in myself because the investment that you make in yourself, and, and this used to confuse me too. Well, like, what does it even mean to invest in yourself? But um, nowadays I think about it as uh, primarily your ability to earn more income. So when it comes to side hustles, gosh, now you can, I mean, I feel like this really exploded over this last couple of years since COVID hit. And now people are becoming more mindful to just the idea that they can make money from their laptops. When I started working, none of my jobs were from all my, I had five different gig jobs. None of them were from behind my laptop. I was uh, teaching after school financial literacy classes, like in, in classrooms. Uh, I was tutoring a high school student babysitting. I was driving for Lyft and Uber, and I was picking up all these random tasks on an app called TaskRabbit. Um, at that time, I was vaguely aware that you could do different sort of side hustles online. Um, but I, I, and I'm sure Upwork and Fiverr were around, but for whatever the reason, when I was online looking for those things, it didn't really, um, I don't know. Maybe I didn't feel like I had marketable skills or something, but it just, nowadays, those are huge. Upwork, Fiverr, FreeUp. Um, you can take a look at some of the most, you know, some of the best jobs that you can, freelance jobs you can do on there. And even if it's an extra, you know, few hundred dollars a week, that that's your, that could be your rent. That could be your, your food for the month. That could be an extra, you know, 500, that could be an extra share of, you know, an S and P 500, uh, ETF for the month. And, and as far as investing in yourself goes, once you've identified something that maybe you want to learn, maybe it's animation and you see there's a course online, there's so many courses online, you know, um, invest 150 bucks in yourself and pull it from a savings account that is, there specifically for that purpose. Don't pull it from a savings account that you're like, well, this is my emergency fund and I should only be using this money if I really need it. You're not going to invest in yourself if you're pulling money out of that account for that purpose. You're going to think if, if all hell breaks loose, I need money. If my car breaks down, that's that. That's what I'm going to use that money for. So it's super important to set money aside in a separate account um, for that purpose. And then it makes it a lot easier to identify opportunities to invest in yourself. Yeah, and and I would also say that's a, that's not necessarily just for business owners either. That whole investing with yourself idea, um, you know, that could be for somebody that says, "How how do I advance myself in my career?" You know, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm young and I'm in a business that, or I'm an employee somewhere, and I want to make leadership more quickly and I'm at a young age. So how do I kind of invest in myself to, to show my proof, show my worth that I can, you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm able to kind of take that position. So think of it that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business owner. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily have to be a side hustle, although that's probably generally going to be your best opportunity for some of that freedom. Uh, but investing in yourself is something that you should be doing at all levels, whether you're W-2 employee, whether you're unemployed, or whether you have the best job in the world, there's still going to be some investing in yourself that can be done. Yeah. And that also reminds me, that's a great point because I, I've got a friend, uh, she has been working just a regular job and now she's trying to make a career change. And I had told her years ago to start putting money aside into this wealth account. And now she has thousands set aside in this wealth account to um, just start investing in herself so she can get a, now a, Still a, she's still an, looking to be an employee, but an employee in a job that's way more fulfilling with less hours and more pay. So I, that's a great point. Yeah, that you don't have to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. You can be an employee and you should be investing in yourself uh, regardless of which one you are. 
Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been uh, extremely helpful, and I think our listeners are really going to enjoy the content and and what we've discussed today. Um, If if anyone wants to reach out to you, learn more about kind of what you're doing, um, where can they reach you? Yeah, uh, easiest way is to just shoot me a text, 240-630-0568. You can check out my website as well if you'd like, chrisallenhanna.com. It's the same on Instagram, and that's about all I'm really active on is Instagram. Uh, Yeah, that's where you can reach me. Okay, excellent. We'll put some some of those in the show notes and, and go from there. So, Chris, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast and taking the time today. Thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, it's it great to be here, and um, I wish you all the best as well.